You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome, everybody, to another great episode of Marketing News Canada. I'm your host, Ted Lau, and this is Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one podcast in all things marketing, advertising, and communications. Today, we have Matthew Price, who is the general manager of Uber Canada. He is responsible for leading ride sharing in one of Uber's biggest markets globally with millions of users across over 20 cities. Matthew has been with Uber since 2015. Most recently, he was the head of strategy and planning for Uber in the UK, Northern and Eastern Europe, where he helped lead the transformation of distributed startup to integrated multinational across Europe. Prior to Uber, Matthew was a strategy consultant at Monitor Group and Monitor Deloitte, focused on engagements aimed at unlocking and accelerating growth. He holds an MBA with distinction from INSEAD Business School, France and Singapore, and received a Bachelor of Commerce from Queen's University. Matthew, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me on today, Ted. Thank you for joining. So how's it going? How's the Uber world? Things are going well. I'll say they're going much better than had you asked me this time last year. And with the Olympics on, it's always a special time. Have you been watching any? I have indeed. I'm more of a Winter Olympic fan than Summer Olympics, but uh, my enjoyment in the Summer Olympics is learning about new sports that I otherwise wouldn't get exposed to. So I spent uh, three, four hours yesterday learning all about surfing. When else can you sit in front of your TV and, and have a virtual surfing experience? That's not bad, man. That's not bad. And then so Uber, you guys killing it right now? Because I know the pandemic must have been really tough. I mean, pandemic was a tough time for everyone. Uber certainly not excluded from that. And, and notably, our drivers not, not excluded from that. I mean, we're working hard to get our cities moving again to help this country recover in the ways it needs to. But I'll tell you, we need more drivers. There's a lot of demand out there right now as we all get back to... Uh, living the lives that we aspire to. But um, certainly, certainly looking for, for more drivers out on the road. There's lots of demand. So how are you guys approaching that, taking that? Because there's a, just a big HR kind of endeavor. Is there a marketing conversation that has to be had? Well, I mean, the, the, I think the important thing to remember is that drivers are independent contractors. So they choose when to drive, where to drive, for how long to drive. And, you know, they don't need to tell us when they go offline. You know, our, our role in that is really just communication. It's, it's giving drivers information about what it's like out there on the road to let them make a choice about whether they're ready to come back. So certainly a, a marketing challenge at, at the core, but, uh, you know, one that, that's really just about giving independent contractors information to choose what's right for them. So now during COVID, I guess we're still in it. Obviously, there was a decline in, in people going places, but there must have been this huge uptick because uh, I know I've been on the Uber Eats side of things because I, I've been using that service and you know doing Friday night takeouts delivery with the family. So how was that pivot for you guys? Was it something that you guys just had to, to react to? Was there any kind of plan or was it just kind of building the car metaphorically while, while driving? I mean, I think I think a lot of our history, a lot, a lot of the history of any you know hyper growth business is is about building the car while running. But uh, I mean, we've been working on Uber Eats for for a number of years, so you know we were we were certainly ready to bring on more eaters, to bring on more couriers, bring on more restaurants. And you know, the pandemic's been difficult for everyone. I think one of the things we're really pleased about is that we were able to provide restaurants, you know, a critical source of revenue during times when they were otherwise shut. Now, with Uber itself being such a large global brand, what are you doing that's different from a marketing perspective to get people's attention? There's so much competition, even on the um, 
even on the eat side, right? You got Skip, you got DoorDash. What are you guys doing to make sure that you guys uh, are top of mind? I mean, I, I think first and foremost, it's about providing a really, really good customer experience. And I think that is, that's, that's the starting place for us. I'd suggest to be the starting place for any business that's looking to scale rapidly. It's, it's you know, how, to, how for us about ensuring that every time a rider opens their app, they can get a car safely, conveniently, affordably. And on the flip side for drivers, that there's a flexible earning opportunity waiting for them there. So, I mean, a lot of our effort is in how to do that. Now, we're, we're privileged to have really strong brand awareness across the country, largely on the back of product that had really, really strong product marketplace fit. And now it's, it's really about using our own channels to get the word out to, to riders and drivers, and then getting creative where we can about using other channels. And uh, again, privileged to be in a position where there's, there's no shortage of, of organizations that want to work with us, to partner with us, to, to kind of do things that are... That are you know, delightful for Canadians um, and gives us a great opportunity to, to partner to do so. Any examples of the delightful marketing that uh, you just talked about? Yeah, well, I, I don't want to, I don't want to give away too much, you know, more to come. I, I think when you, when you look back, I mean, we've done some really cool work with, with Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, with the Raptors, with the Leafs. But I think one of the, one of the difficulties of, of being a really big business like we are, and again, a business with really high awareness is how to make sure you're moving the needle on the initiatives that, that you undertake. And, you know, the thing that matters most to our riders is, again, safe, convenient, affordable trips. And the thing that matters most to our riders or drivers is, is flexible earning opportunities. So, you know, so much of our energy goes into getting that right and then let the product speak for itself. And when you took over um, Uber Canada, you know, it was already a very well-known name here. And uh, I would imagine the, that kind of marketing and communications is much different than your experience when you were overseeing Eastern Europe and that role where like your bio says, it was more of a startup focus. And then you moved up to kind of more of this transnational entity. So that hockey stick lift, that speed that uh, you're going from that kind of startup mode to to being that large brand. Tell us about that experience. How, how did that work? I mean, I, I guess there's there's two vectors on which the experience is different. One is obviously a very different cultural context, whether that's the, the UK, Nordics, Central Eastern Europe. And then secondly, as you say, a stage of business. Um, when we're just much smaller, much more nascent, there are just different ways that, that you're focused on growth. And one of the things that you know, we, we often did as a smaller organization are things to drive virality, be it uh, you know, stunts on the platform or be it different ways of leveraging you know, referral networks to get people signed up. But again, I think going, going, going back to being much larger, got to be very thoughtful about where we lean in from a marketing point of view. And uh, as I as I said earlier, so much so so important that we get the the basics right. That we we ensure we're providing really good experiences for riders and drivers, which is hard to do at scale. Yeah, absolutely. Because you, like you said, you you don't really know who they are. How are you collecting that data? What 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 are you doing to ensure this kind of anonymous? You don't know when they're clocking on, clocking off, to ensure that 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 experience is paramount and and top of mind all the time. I mean, one one thing that's worth noting, in particular with drivers, is I mean, our, our markets are heavily regulated. For a driver to be on the platform, we need to collect a number of documents and ensure in every trip that's dispatched, they're valid. So, I mean, we, we know a fair amount about our drivers from that standpoint in terms of what, what regulation requires us to. And of course, you know, when a driver comes online, we're aware of that in order to provide them, provide them leads. We just don't need to, to kind of in advance know when they're coming on, for instance. 
Now you're in a transformative phase, right? Like that that's your your disruption kind of business. And so whenever you've entered a, a new market, there's always been that disruption. And and what has Uber done? What what have you done to help smoothen that that dialogue, that communication? Like here in BC with our government, it took quite a bit of time to get Uber and Lyft available to users. And I mean, the moment we were able to get it, it was just like hallelujah. But it took a long time. It felt like it felt like uh, pulling teeth a little bit. And I would just imagine on your side, like, how did you manage that? And you manage 20 cities in, in all jurisdictions, and it's different. So what tips do you have? I mean, we operate in um, seven, 800 cities globally, and, and no two cities are alike. So the really important thing there is partnership. And in the cities we operate in, in the ones that we don't, but we hope to operate in, you know, it's about partnership that begins far in advance of a launch and, and working with policymakers and working with, you know, city councillors and municipalities to make sure that the right regs are in place to provide the experience that, that people want, the experience that people need. So, you know, in Vancouver, we've been, we've been working with the city for years. There's a lot of stakeholders in this, in this type of endeavor. And, um, you know, it's really just about continuing to tell the story about why Uber is a great thing for cities. And I think when you look at Vancouver, it, it speaks for itself. We've been just thrilled with the, the reception we've had from Vancouverites, both riders like yourself, but, but also drivers. There's lots and lots of interest. And how do you distinguish yourself from you know the other big brand there when it comes to riding? It's the name that I want to mention today, but what are you guys doing that's, that's different, that stands out? I feel like I've, um, I've said it a little bit in terms of we're just really focused on providing safe, reliable, affordable experiences. And we know what matters most to riders is when they open their app, their ETAs are low and the price points are are kind of reasonable. And, you know, that really is uh, the focus is just ensuring that we can we can deliver that more reliably than anyone else. The thing a lot of people, and you're not the first one to ask the question, a, a lot of people ask questions like that. But, you know, the important thing for us and, and what really gets me excited is, for me, our competition is the private car. It's how to provide a more credible alternative and, and perhaps for the first time provide something sufficiently alternative sufficiently convenient that people are willing to forego the private car or put off the, the purchase of their next car and how do we provide something that's sufficiently safe affordable convenient to compel folks to do that are you guys getting into the driverless space that ever is that is that a plan we in fact recently um you know divested a business we had developing autonomous technology to a business called Aurora but I mean it's it's certainly in the future of, of ride sharing no question there I think it's just a matter of time and there's a lot of work to do between now and then and you know and kind of linking back to that last thing that the lot of work to do is also providing different modes of transport to help you get where you want to go today your instinct is probably to leave your house and hop in your car but to the extent you're opening our app you're opening our app to take UberX we want to get to a world where you know, you're really familiar with all the other products that are in there or will be in there, be it Uber XL, which is high capacity, Uber Green, which is electric, Uber Premier, which is a higher end vehicle and a more high rated driver, Uber Comfort, you know, an option that has more features to choose. But in addition to that, what about micro mobility like e-scooters and e-bikes? What about integrating with transit, which we've done in Vancouver, where you can choose where you want to go? And understand both your UberX options, but also you know your public transit alternatives, and the list goes on. There's lots of lots of different things being considered for you as a rider. Ensure we're able to offer you the right experience to get where you want to go. Well, that's that's quite exciting. And I think in earlier in our pre conversation before the show started, 
uh, you, you talked about your passion for sustainability. And given that you're talking about Uber Green, I'd like to hear a bit more about that. Can you share? Would love to. Yeah. I mean, we um, look, this for us, for me, is one of the silver linings of COVID. I, I think for, you know, during COVID, we saw our cities breathe for the first time in a long time. And, you know, greenhouse gas emissions were, were down for a good period of time there. And, you know, we as Uber, me as the GM of, of Uber Canada kind of looked at that and said, you know, what are we going to do about this? We have, you know, as, as the industry leader, we have an obligation to help this country build back better, build back cleaner. And, and that really led in Canada to our commitment to be emission zero by 2040 in all cities, but emission zero by 2030 in cities that have the right policy framework. And in addition to those commitments, we, we coupled it with, with a number of different actions. You touched on one, which is launching Uber Green, which means for $1 surcharge, you can hop into an electric or hybrid vehicle. Another thing I'll already mention is we've integrated with transit to help ensure that you know we're offering folks alternatives to the private car, in many cases, more environmentally friendly alternatives. We've launched a, an $800 million clean air program which is actually going to help drivers upgrade to electric vehicles and working on a number of partnerships in that space to help bring down the cost of the car, increase access to the vehicle, as well as charging infrastructure, which is a major impediment today. And last but not least, it's, it's about data sharing and real transparency, conscious that we're not going to, be able to do this ourselves. We need to partner across the ecosystem to get it done. And um, you know, data is the beginning and the, the starting point of that conversation. Now you obviously not, you weren't born and, and just decided one day, hey, I'm going to run this thing called Uber. Tell us a bit about your origin story. You know, I see that you're from Queens, or at least you went to school at Queens. I'm not sure if you're actually from Queens, but tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. Yeah, happy to. You want the version that's on the CV or do you want the version behind the CV? No, man, I want the I want the fun version, man. I want the the version that no one knows. I don't know what no one knows, but certainly the one you can't read off of LinkedIn. I'll, I'll give you that version. So, I mean, if we're really going to the origin of, of kind of where I came from, a couple things to share there. So, um, I was born in Canada, um, so I was actually born in Calgary, uh, and I've lived in Ottawa, have lived in the GTA. But uh, I was born into a, a Canadian-British family, um, and my father's originally from the UK. So, you know, kind of born into our multicultural mosaic, but understanding that there's a world outside of Canada. And for me, that really, from, from the get-go, you know, fueled my curiosity and kind of, for me personally, I spent a lot of my time throwing myself in the cross-cultural context to understand myself, to understand the world. Um, have studied and lived on three continents, have visited 60 countries. It's a, it's a real, real passion of mine. Another thing to share there is I'm the oldest of three. And my father, you know, ambitious, productive businessman. My mom, a very warm, benevolent, stay-at-home mom. So you can kind of get a picture for what that, you know, origin household looked like in terms of, you know, I was the the, the, the kind of kid mature beyond his years, loved to sit at the adult table over the kid's table, loved to go to work with my dad. And over time, that morphed into, you know, just a, a raw pursuit of excellence in academics, um, in leadership, uh, volunteer extracurricular endeavors. And eventually, kind of, I came to understand it. And, and what's really been my calling is to live a life with no regrets and to throw myself at really complicated challenges to maximize my, my impact on the world. And that then leads to, you know, what you mentioned in terms of Queens. So I, um, I knew I was going to study business and that was really the starting point. So, so spent four years in Kingston in the commerce program. My introduction to business, but, but as importantly, spent a lot of time outside of the classroom and, and really was my introduction to leadership. 
From there, I launched my career in strategy consulting, my way of accelerating my learning in the real world, and spent five years at Monitor Group, which became Monitor Deloitte, came to absolutely love solving really complicated problems, but knew I wanted to get closer to the action, knew I wanted more ownership and, and kind of an ability to actually implement and execute things that we were doing. And I also knew I wanted to work for businesses that wanted to grow 2x, not 2% year on year. And that that also kind of coupled with my passion for travel in the world led me to INSEAD as a bit of a pivot. INSEAD is a global business school with 90 nationalities in the classroom. So very, very international, really important for me to kind of refine my perspectives on, on the world, on global business. And uh, that was the jumping off point to Uber. So in, in 2015, joined what was a rocket ship already a few years into his journey. And I started in London, as you said, as head of strategy and planning for the UK, Northern and Eastern Europe. That was really a role that was kind of the co-pilot to the general manager, helping to build the plane as we were flying it, focused on developing strategy, focused on implementing structure to get a business to scale at that pace, and, and building a bunch of capabilities across 15 countries and multiple stages of business. And that then led me to uh, you know, what's just a real privilege to get to come back to Canada and lead this business here and, and kind of bring a lot of what I've learned across Europe to, to Canada in terms of how we build the future of mobility. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. How's that for the origin story? That was awesome. So you've traveled more than most. Uh, You've seen a, a few more places than most, and you've done business in a few more places than most. And given our, our audience is primarily Canadian, maybe give us a, a little glimpse of what it's like. What's what's something that was different, you know, in doing business abroad than than doing business here? What's the the differences in, in how people do business, the culture, and, and how you navigated those waters? There's lots of things that are often nuances in terms of how to do business abroad, and they tend not to be the things that you see when you're, you're kind of traveling as a tourist. But I will say one of the really important things is something I think most Canadians are gifted to have, which is an understanding that there are multiple cultures and that diversity creates better ideas and better outcomes. And I think when you, when you, when you work in a lot of countries and countries that have like generations and generations of history within that country, there's a, you know, a, a relatively standard way of doing things. People think more similarly. They behave more similarly in the workplace. You actually don't get a lot of that in Canada because it's so diverse, which means when you go outside of Canada as a Canadian to do business, I think the most important thing is, is kind of curiosity and situational awareness to kind of clock what's going on around you, be it understanding market trends and not just assuming they're like they are back home, be it you know, your colleagues and, and the office and not just assuming is like it is back home. But as I, as I say, um, I think Canadians are really well-suited to do this. And it's why there's a number of Canadians that have had really successful careers abroad, their ability to, to kind of be curious and to be really situationally aware as to what's going on. So you've been to a lot of places. Tell me the most delicious... Do you, do you like food? Actually, before I ask you this uh, question, because I'm a big foodie. And, I uh, love food. And I've, I've spent a lot of time during COVID perfecting my ability to cook that food. Yes, definitely. All right. All right. What are you, what are you cooking right now? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm focused on pasta at the moment. I'm very, very fascinated about all the little nuances and, and kind of how to make pasta, different sauces to pair with different types of pasta. That's been my, my recent interest as it relates to cooking. I would imagine you're, you're, you sound like, and I don't know you very well, but you seem like a bit of a perfectionist. I would imagine take, making pasta might take a, a few, few hours or something like that on, on your end because you seem like a very precise human being. So it's not it's not quick, but I mean with a with a glass of wine you can gloss over you can gloss over some of the flaws. So what are you into? Are you into making the gnocchi? Are you making fresh pasta? You you doing like pesto sauces? Um, I'm into gnocchi. We actually did I did a cooking class for uh, my colleagues recently. I didn't cook. I brought in a professional cook to do the class. But they taught us how to make gnocchi. So that's definitely on the list. Ravioli is a special interest at the moment. It just takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a fresh, fresh pasta that you can roll out of a pasta mm-hmm. maker is always a, always a hit. All right, well, so um, let's move into a bit of our, our rapid fire. Let's get to know Matthew a little bit more. I'm just going to ask you a, a few things here. Some are marketing related, some are not. You, you ready to go? Sounds good. I'll, I'll try not to be too perfect for you. I'll, I'll just give you what comes off the top of my mind. Top of your mind. All right. Favorite carb, bread, pasta, rice, or potatoes? I mean, I got to answer pasta. Favorite tune that you're listening to right now? Oh, Ed Sheeran, Bad Habit. Ooh. Any TV show that you're loving right now? Oh, I got it. I mean, I, I got to admit, any, any TV time right now is watching the Olympics. Um, that is consuming me. What's the best place for you to zen outside of an Uber car, I guess? 
hands down my my family cottage north of Toronto in the Corsas. What's your uh, favorite business book that you read? Um, favorite business book. I love, I love blue ocean strategy, which in full disclosure came out of INSEAD just as a very different way to think about strategy, slightly less businessy, but, but, but important seven habits of highly effective people, a book that I continue to think back on learnings and lessons from. That's a classic. Any, are, are you a, a reading kind of guy or are you an audiobook kind of guy? Definitely reading. I need to, I need to feel it in my hands. I stare at a screen enough every day, especially the last year and a half. What's on your bucket list to, to go after COVID lifts? Mm, I would, I would say on, on the you know, t- top of the list outside of the place that I've been would be Brazil. Would love to go to Brazil. I spent also a lot of time in, in kind of North and Southern Africa, but would love to see kind of Kenya, Tanzania, that part of the continent. What part of Brazil? Brazil's so big. I haven't done too much research yet because I, I wasn't sure just how, how soon that's going to happen. Rio will be top of that list. I got a, a couple of staff members from Brazil and, and I guess, you know, I don't know much about Brazil myself other than, you know, what you see on TV. And actually there's parts of it that's quite cold. And uh, one of my staff was, was visiting there and he got stuck uh, there during the COVID lockdown. And, uh, you know, we're having summer right now and, and, and it's like 10 degrees there. And we we're like, what's going on? Why is it so cold? He's like, it's winter here. It's like, oh. Oh yeah, didn't know that. What's one thing most people don't know about you? Ooh, what's one thing most people don't know about me? I, I mean, probably just how much I love hockey. I used to referee hockey. That was my first job. Coach hockey, play hockey. And uh, I would say I don't know if I missed a single Leafs game this year on TV. Oh, wow. I have a, I have a friend out here that's a, a huge Leafs fan. Unfortunately, they don't seem to go very far in the playoffs, and, and he always gets razzed by our group of friends. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a long term interest. But you play uh, you play in referee hockey, but you seem to have all your teeth. They, they, they I mean, what did what position did you play? I played defense, but um, I never said I was a good hockey player. Just that I love hockey. That's awesome. And um, are you uh, are you watching the paying attention to the draft with the Seattle Kraken? What do you think about that? I think it'd be a fascinating role to be the the GM of of the Kraken and get to build a team from the ground up, picking from all your competitors. I will say though, I, I haven't paid too much attention to the specifics. I'm more excited that the first their first home game is going to be against the uh, the Canucks. Look forward to watching that. Oh, we'll be waiting. So, um, do you have any any tips for for folks that want to get into you know your space of leadership, given you have so much experience? You know, someone that's coming out of school, what would you say to them to, to get their feet wet? That's a, it's, a, it's a really good question. And one that I think is actually really hard to answer because I, I don't know if there is any one way to do it. When I look back, I think, you know, one of the things I wish I'd known is, you know, this is really about a journey, not a destination. And I think it's really easy to run a business and set very clear goals. It's very easy to, to kind of manage your career and set clear goals. You need goals. But I think it really, it's about throwing yourself into really diverse experiences to learn. And through those experiences, just continuing to tighten your aperture on what your, your life vision is. I'd say, you know, avoid labels, avoid titles, really be deliberate about kind of taking different stepping stones to what it is you're looking for and have some sort of filtering mechanism, some sort of criteria to, to get there. But, you know, also be patient and kind of be kind to yourself along the way because it's not going to be linear. 
And the last thing is just focus on what you can control. If, you, if, you're, if you're kind of really leaning into the things you can control and strengthening your capabilities along the way, believing that your best is good enough, you will get there. But it's a, it's a, it's a journey. It really is not a destination. Enjoy it. Absolutely. I mean, I've been doing my, my business for almost 20 years now. And yeah, if it wasn't for that learning of enjoying the journey, I think it'd be extremely tough. What about the you know folks that are are start thinking about maybe doing a startup? And again, you saw that that hockey stick. I'll use the hockey stick analogy again for of of growth. And how do you how do you manage that? What advice would you give somebody that's thinking of doing that journey? I I think the 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 key thing I say to those folks, and I really enjoy mentoring people who are in that situation, um, is be really clear on why you're doing it. Um, and I think it's really easy to, to kind of follow the crowd, especially when capital is plentiful. But I, I think there's kind of a subset of reasons why a startup is right. And there's lots of alternatives to a startup that, that some people would be better fit for. So I think you know, it's really important that one of the reasons you're doing it is because you're truly passionate about you know, the opportunity you're trying to unlock. And you're, you know, it, it's something that lights your fire to such an extent that you're willing to throw everything you've got. Conscious that for most people to be successful in a startup, and, and you know, one in 10 are, it's going to be a full-time gig. It's going to be everything you've got to, to make it happen. And, and I think that really is a starting point. I think there's lots of cool ways, alternatives to startups, um, which is really the path that I pursued, to have real impact within existing organizations, to help scale up existing organizations. And there's pros and cons to that. But uh, I think for me, the, the defining feature as to whether you should start it yourself is you're super passionate about the idea. I don't think it matters if the idea exists because I think it comes down to execution and your ability to out-execute others. But it starts from a place of passion. Now, when you get there, you know, I mean, one in 10, that, so that I'm talking now to the, the one, one out of the 10 that actually get to where you are. You're now managing, gosh, I don't even know how many people, but that's a very different skill set that I would imagine you're learning on the job all the time. What reminders do you have to give yourself when you're managing a team at the size that you're you're doing right now? I, I think you're you're very right in terms of you know you got to be learning every day. There there aren't many people for for people who are going to continue to you know progress their career and take on challenges of greater size and scope, and they probably haven't done it before. In which case, you've always got to be learning. I think you know one of the reminders for me and and kind of at the heart of my leadership style is to always be looking to reinforce the vision and be really clear about where it is we're going. Look for creative ways to make sure people understand their role and the impact they're having against that vision. And they, you know, as part of their team, they individually. And, you know, be giving positive reinforcing feedback along the way, as well as constructive feedback, but leaning in to help people grow. And I think if you if you can do that, you know, you're going to get closer and closer to that vision, which is going to become more inspiring to the team and you really get a virtuous cycle going if you if you do it really well. So I mean none, none of that's rocket science, but for me that's a bit of a formula that I've got in mind all the time and I'm always looking to to kind of reinforce in everything I do. Uh, I I think it's the the formula to build high performing teams. Is there any uh, podcast or YouTube channel or business book that you're you're reading right now or that that is reinforcing that or helping you learn? One um, podcast that I'm really interested in, and it is helping that, is Brene Brown's Unlocking Us. And a lot of people wouldn't put that into the class of a business podcast. Um, but I think especially for 
Canadians, many of whom specialized really, really young in what they wanted to do. I mean, I was studying business um, exclusively from the age of 17. I think it's really important to better understand psychology, to better understand how the human kind of mind and emotions work. And I think she just does a brilliant job of, of kind of helping people better understand people, which as a leader is ultimately what you're there to do is, is lead people. So certainly something that's helped me and, and something I'd encourage others to, to check out if you're really looking to, to kind of take your leadership to the next level. Yeah, I've, I've read a, a couple of her books or listened to a couple of her books and, and her podcast as well. I think her style is very much in tune with today's leadership, that empathy leadership, right? Because in today's world, it's about really understanding, well, I think what you said, right? Helping the other the other person grow and and lean into their leadership skills and help them get where they want to be. That is more true today than I think I've ever seen it in my career. So yeah, I, I think I agree 100%. I think that's right, Ted. And I think, you know, we saw that in spades during the last year and a half. I think the leaders that, that, that kind of didn't subscribe to that, um, that didn't really jump on, you know, how do I create a space where my team is comfortable being themselves? And how do I create a supportive, empathetic environment to help people through these difficult times? The, the people that didn't figure that out are the ones that probably feel like their business has been standing still for the last year and a half versus the ones that did, I think, had a, had a real opportunity over the last year and a half to have real impact in whatever sector they're in on our country and hopefully now have a team that's stronger than ever before, ready to lead their business to the next level coming out of this. Amen. So is there anything, last, uh, last comments before we close it out for uh, the session? Anything that you want to tell our marketing listeners? Oh, I mean, I, I think that the one thing that I, I'll, I'll end on, and, and you know, I, think, I think some of this we touched on, is just how important it is as we enter into this next chapter to ensure that business continues to be a force for good. Something I've always believed, but I think something that's been on display over the last year and a half, where you know, government alone couldn't lead us through the crisis that we were in. There were just so many absolutely inspiring collaborations between government and business to help our country, to help our society through. I really think it's kind of incumbent upon, you know, our, our Canadian business community to make sure that sticks as we come out of COVID. And I think a real opportunity for marketers as it relates to kind of telling a slightly broader, more aspirational story about companies and brands. Um, but it's not just about purpose. It's just not just about profit, but it's also about purpose. Um, so that would be my, my kind of charge for the, the business community, but also for, for marketers as we enter into this next chapter. Well, Matthew, it was a pleasure to meet you and hear your story and be inspired by you. Keep on keeping on and uh, enjoy the hockey season. And we'll, uh, we'll see you on game one. Looking forward to it. And uh, go Canada, go. Really, really excited for our athletes that are putting it on display in, in Tokyo. Hey, yeah, amen. All right. Well, thank you, listeners, for another enjoyable Marketing News Canada episode. See you all next time. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.